0: When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk (laughs) here. Welcome back to the Gallows End, to episode 13 of the Level 90 Undead Rogue Podcast. I'm Ian, and this week we've shadow stepped through Town Long Steps Portal onto the Thunder Isle, sapping and stealthing our way through the melee. For your listening pleasure this week, our topics are initial impressions of Thunder Isle itself, mob density on the Isle, is this a problem, dailies, 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 rep grinds via the Dungeon Finder. 23 guilds have managed to clear normal mode of tier 15 with no sign of method or blood legion in there, honor gear, more specifically honor weapons and changes blizzard have announced the last moment and new battle pets but first what would the l 90 WarP be Uh, one of its own resident gankers james harkman james how the hell are you
1: well hello there wow Um... that
0: was really emphatic
1: Yep, uh, I'm doing pretty good, uh, I'm excited about 5.2, then not so excited about dailies, but we'll get more into that later.
0: Yeah, we totally will, and for those who think that we've decided to stick Tobias in a box in the ground, unfortunately Tobias isn't with us this weekend, because Tobias is actually commentating a private arena tournament in Europe, so he's uh, he's busy with that, so uh, we're we're hoping he gets on really cool with that. So first, let's go and dive right in. The island itself, the Isle of Thunder, the initial impressions. James, I don't know about you, but for me, jumping into this storyline, I mean, I only got into this uh, storyline off the back of 24 hours prior to 5.2, me completing Operation Shieldwall, Mice, the Alliance side of things from the 5.1 patch. And for me, going into this, it's a bit of a strange vibe for me, because I've got no real lead as to why the hell I'm going into the Isle itself. I've got... I don't feel there's a threat that's making me that I have to go there, apart from the, the two quests, one which sort of gets jumped on me as soon as I'm in there, and the second one when I go pick it up in town long steps. And, you know, uh, I feel like I've kind of been thrown under the bus or thrown onto the island in the same way I was with the Isle of Keldanis. So, you know, you jump on your portal in Shattrath and you're kind of launched into, mid- into the middle of it. What do you think?
1: Well, at least Isle of had a reason. I mean, that's where the Sunwell is. But this island kind of like there. And you're supposed to believe it was always there. And it doesn't look that far away. Um, But the whole situation with that is uh, there was a little bit of audio lore and role-playing with Jaina, at least on the Alliance side. I'm sure there was some available for the Horde side as well because Jaina was more so talking trash about the horde and uh the alliance being blamed for for incidents on pandera and escalating and causing imbalance between the uh the pandarians and the old kings the mugu um so there was a little tiny bit of role-playing and i believe if they didn't do the audio lore like her actually speaking no one would have an idea what it was going to do. But no one's going to stop and read those unless you're possibly on an RP server. Because after she was done talking for like her two quests, story quests, I just clicked through everything. I I mean, it it really feels that it's just... We ran out of space, so now we have to show you this thing, and it's a clusterfuck.
0: Completely early. I mean, for those who aren't aware of what James is talking about, when you get to the end of the... Operation Shieldwall storyline from Casarrang Wilds from 5.1. After and there's spoilers for this, and if you've what the fuck are we even saying spoilers? Most people have actually already seen this, or they've heard this, or they've read an MMO champ, or they've seen videos or whatever. But after Anduin is apparently like uh, gravely wounded following his encounter with Garrosh at the uh, site of the, the Divine Bell. Uh, Jaina returns to uh, Lion's Landing to the keep there to meet Varian uh, to talk about what happened to Anduin and uh, Jaina is like pretty fucking ticked off at this point and she's pretty much like saying to uh, to, to Varian like hey uh, we tried doing things your way it, it ain't working uh, so buddy we're doing it my way and you may not like it
1: yeah and it really does feel like you're just getting thrown into it. So, I mean, that's the whole point of trying for Blizzard trying to get back to the whole war and World of Warcraft. Um, but it, it doesn't feel organic. Like, it didn't flow really well. I don't know because it was the gap between the whole Pandorian and getting burnt out on dailies already from the seven different factions. That now I have to grind additional factions and I have to do these. It's like 12 to 13 quests daily to keep up. And I'm just so burnt out. It's its frustrating. Yeah. And,
0: and you know what? Earlier on I made a reference to this feeling so much like the Isle of Keldanus. You know, I remember back in the days in Burning Crusade, we rocked up into the Isle of Keldanus And, you know, there was around 12 to 14 dailies that you knocked out in there. And you had these disparate hubs on the Isle. For where you picked up these groups of quests and lo and behold uh, I've got disparate sort of small little mini quest hubs all over the isle and I've got a very uh, I've got an isle which also contains a raid zone instance which uh, Isle of Kildanus also had uh, obviously there's no uh, equivalent to Magister's Terrace in there so that's totally understandable but this is sort of island where uh, horde and alliance are occupying and trying to move forward in this part of the of the storyline and these quest hubs for dailies and it, the place just being totally ripe and rife with uh, world PvP. Uh, it kind of almost feels like they're looking back, going, "Hey, what worked so well about the Isle of Kildanus and how can we make this work here?" But it still comes back to this feels awfully shoehorned for for me. Like I, again, I get up there, I'm rocking onto the boat. And all of a sudden I'm faced with, hey, uh, go talk to some people, do some quests. I don't feel like I've been, I'm like, why am I here? Like, if if this was, if I was a person in game, I'd be like, fuck you, I'm going to go and I'm going to have a drink in the Gallows End uh, tavern. Or I'm going to go and hit up one of the taverns uh, in in uh, Undercity or Orgrimmar. And like, fuck you, uh, when, I, when I'm good and ready, I'll come and do some shit until then. You need to go take a chill, lady.
1: Yeah. Well um, to be more accurate, um I, I did some a quick look up. It there is thirteen quests uh, that are done on regular for dailies for them. The the upnotes of the aisle is it's very unique. It's the only thing about its uniqueness that's a little rough is the drastic change in terrain as you move around.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but uh, beyond that it, it, it's a nicely set up the hubs are nice and organized at least. Um, and there's a lot of cool visuals around the island as well. Uh, I always see it as a plus that it is a PVP hub as well. They do have, I think about seven PVP quests, Mm uh, and all these give reputation. So it's not like you're going to be very starved for reputation for a very long time. Um, the PVP ones even give conquest points. I don't think very many, um, I guess conquest and honor, uh, the other benefits of the island is I I like the whole unlocking, rather than where things are gated. Mm-hmm. It's up to the community and server to unlock everything, and I really like that about it. I really miss those things where, like the encourage unlocking and, and things like that that gate or or even things closer similar to it where like attunement quest lines that gave you some kind of incentive or. Gave some other benefit rather than just being like I'm doing these quests to get my valor cap, which I'm gonna hit anyways, um, or grinding rep. It's it's something beyond the whole rep grind and just getting the value you're gonna get anyway. And there's some kind of goal to achieve, which I really like.
0: Yeah, the goal being there is one thing, but there's a great deal number of players who are around from. The Burning Crusade days, and I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with, yes, I'm about to make another reference to the Burning Crusade, and yes, I'm aware an awful lot of players who are around in Burning Crusade are no longer players, and yes, I know the game has drastically changed and moved along since 2007-2008. However, now I can get into the good stuff. In the Burning Crusade, when the Isle of Kildanus opened, we had to unlock the epic gem vendors. And there were an awful lot of realms who actually didn't unlock those until the months and in one realm's case, the weeks leading up to the launch of Wrath of the Lich King.
1: Get a better server.
0: <laughs> no, but like when you uh, Yeah, I, like, I, I, I really expect get
1: that. that. Yeah, it it was it was almost the same with uh Anchorage's, um I mean it took some servers Extreme amounts of long time because they're low pop servers and people are on that that server for a reason because it is low pop. Um, I think if it it should have been something with maybe your maybe a I guess some kind of uh, multiple server batter group kind of effort or something like that. Um, something to bring not necessarily the phasing but the overall world impact on it because. Uh, There are still a lot of servers out there. They're extremely low population. That's going to take them a long, long time to unlock everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, the phasing thing is something that I don't think they can go into again. The second that they introduce that kind of phasing, there is going to be cries of, hey, we did this in Molten Front. We're not doing it again. Take that shit go redesign it and come back to us when you when you've got something better to show because molten front for most people actually the, it's funny is a lot of people and this is totally anecdotal so uh, when i'm talking about this please don't think that i'm i'm speaking like there's complete hard fact it's anecdotal from what i can see from forums and everything else and yes i'm aware that people on forums are the ones who are talking to people who did like it obviously a lot of them don't turn up on forums and go hey I really like this. The majority of people up there are there to QQ, Whinge, mom, whatever the fuck else to do. But the, the anecdotal evidence that exists there is, and if you look at even some of the comments that Blizzard have made themselves, and you can read into them what you will, is that Molten Front and the way that it was staggered out in terms of its phasing, a lot of people really, really didn't like that.
1: Yeah, I didn't like the whole thing where... Based on my progression on rep, I could not quest with a partner or or, or Guilty. Um, I was completely against I really, really hated that. I'm glad that they have these whole bunch of quests that you can pretty much go there and start doing. There's no phasing that to be really affected. And the biggest complaint people had in MOP that Blizzard actually listened to was like they would go to a quest hub, even on a PvP server, and not be able to turn it in because they're just killed constantly. So now they have these protective shields over the quest to the uh, NPCs that you have to speak with to either get quest or interact with. Which I think that's not disrupting the PvP flow of world PvP, but it's nice to have that, you know, tag safety tree to touch and hold on to while you're getting your quest and turning in shit.
0: You know, people who are actually complaining about that and have actually spotted a couple of whines about that. Some of those people have actually said have been around since uh, 06, 06, late sorry, 07, 08, and all that for TBC, and they seem to forget that on the Isle of Keldanus, we also had these areas where you'd hand in quests where you'd have very heavy uh, guard protection, oh, yeah. and that if you killed anyone near the guards, and literally you didn't have to be right next to them, but you could be within. Uh, say 10 yards, 20 yards in terms of in-game uh gap measurement and the guards would literally come over and you'd be corpse running back pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: And I think that that still promotes PvP, world PvP, because people still did it, especially when they're out questing, but people still did it inside of the town. I know I did. You would try to kill somebody and then run off before the guards netted you too many times before 20 of them spawned and killed you. But oh, yeah. Either way, it's, it's still, I think it, it gets back to the roots of the world PvP that you saw in Burning Crusade and, and Vanilla, um, where those guards are there. It, it, I think the guard aspect is probably a little bit easier for people to understand and take in, such as like Booty Bay and Co- Co- Danis. It's more so the fact that I can't attack that person at all now, um, which might frustrate some people.
0: And you also can't grief NPCs for uh, yeah. for people here Because another thing that they did as well, which I thought was really smart, is you can't actually mount inside those bubbles either. So you can't yeah. actually... Because that was the one thing that happened with Half-Hill initially was that, I'm, you know what, I'm guilty of this too. Loading up on a mammoth and pissing off players from the opposite faction. Uh, and then getting sort of uh, tells from players of my own faction going, hey, dude, look, I know you're trying to piss off uh, the Horde or the Alliance, depending on which one I was doing it on, and uh, but listen, I'm from your own faction, can you just cut me a break and can you just move your ass a bit so I can do it, and I'm like, hey, look if you don't know how to use your mouse wheel and scroll in to click on it it's not my fault that you haven't upgraded your stupidity to common sense yeah. uh, but like, so like in one respect it stops that kind of griefing, and Hill and the other quest hubs that were kind of like that throughout uh, Pandaria in the early levels, and especially for the first couple of weeks. And I mean, definitely the first two months, like, griefing was heavy all over the place. And, like, I think the this is a way of kind of stopping griefing, uh, which some people are like, hey, Blizzard is trying to control fun. No, they're trying to stop assholes. There's a difference. We're okay with them stopping asshole behavior. Yeah,
1: I think it's... I like it. That's one of the things I like about it. Now, another island that they have is the Isle of Giants. Mm. That isle, I think, is fun. Um, The reason I think it's fun is because you just go there and grind the shit out of a shit. It brings me back some nostalgia. And the rewards for grinding are actually worthwhile. Like, of course, you have the lower rewards for modes of Harmony, which you can get off the mobs too while farming. Um, you can actually buy Spirits of Harmony, which is great. Uh, for I think 99 bones, you can also of course, you can get a new pet. Um, I think he's he's 1,000 or 999 bones. And then there's also the Reigns of the Bone White Primal Raptor, which is so so something I miss from Vanilla, the White Raptor. Um, some people were able to keep theirs. Some people were tricked into trading it in by accident. Uh, but the the best thing of it is um, the achievement when you get is 999 problems, but a bone white raptor is not one.
0: That's I know. It's yeah. they they've actually got some really sweet uh, 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 achievements uh, as part of sort of this 5.2 slice of content and one that I actually really like, just for sort of on the topic of achievements here is boop where you actually knock uh, one of the uh, pterodactyl riders off their flying mount onto Mm -hmm. the ground I just like I spotted one today and I was on my paladin and I was like okay so I'll drop a judgment up onto it achieving pops and I was just like I was smiling ear to ear just for something so stupid and just because the name nola comes up in my guild chat and, and local chat is uh such and such has just gotten boop. <laughs> and I'm on vent as well at the same time in my guild and just and all I hear is boop, boop, boop across from all the all the guys in uh event. It was it was just funny. Uh again this the I think the, the there is a kind of an a, a small side amusements that actually comes from this and very often, if we find uh, the name, the names of achievements, especially when I'm or, or out and about, my own guild members, uh, another point of amusement, especially when they're earning them, and we're then picking up what the references to them are from originally as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so moving on from sort of the initial impressions of us. Uh, One of the things that kind of struck me with this, um, especially, like, I didn't jump in on the first day or on the second day. Like, my first time jumping into the island, to be quite frank and honest, was actually yesterday. Uh, Yesterday evening, in fact. And one of the things that struck me about this is the density of mobs, how close they are together, and just how many of them there are. And right now, I don't see this as being a particular problem for with the amount of players that are there, and they're sort of all over the place, multi-aggroing, so clearing an awful lot of space for you to be able to move around, but if you're talking about sort of a low-population server, number one, or a low populace of players that are appearing on that, like, even with the best intentions of Crossrealm, like, that's an awful lot of mobs to try and work through just to be able to get to one quest achievement objective, let alone complete 13 quest achievement objectives to move around in it like it's dude there's a lot there
1: that's the the whole thing it, it does feel very overly populated especially when you have everyone trying especially if you're on alliance and and you're on a server that's very alliance heavily populated it, it just feels like there's so much i mean it's you have all these mobs spawning and you start to worry like well once people such as myself gets burned out and then tries to go back later. I'm not going to be able to go deeper into these areas to get to the mobs I need. It's going to be I'm going to be aggroing everything, and hopefully they'll tune that down a little bit after initial launch, like they do with like a launch or expansion pack in the starter zones. Um, but beyond that, it's just it's frustrating. Um, you got to go around a lot. You only have your ground mount, which. God, is so frustrating, but it's, it's the only thing they give you. The best part about it is being turned into one of those lizard dudes that can jump like 50 miles. It's really cool.
0: <laughs> you know, when you're talking about the ground mount there, again, Like, still comes back to comparison of the Isle of Kildanus, one of the few areas in the old world we still cannot jump on a flying mount and fly around. Still can't do it around any of the Blood Elf areas. Still can't do it around any of the Draenei areas, starting areas um and you know what this is something that like i want to respect i kind of understand where they're coming from with this they want to try and keep people compact they want to kind of keep people up in each other's faces i mean the entire point of being at war and you're talking about this being along a path of escalation in this uh in this war to being like an escalation of a battle which is impending uh it kind of I kind of understand why they're doing this, but it almost feels like we're forcing you to do this because we want you to be on this path of, of where there is no way around but for someone to go. You know what? You look like you've got about twenty five percent health. On full health, I'll have a go. And getting ganking, which turns into sort of all out world PvP. Like ultimately, no matter what way you want to talk about world PvP, just as a small side digression, is it still stems from being ganked. (laughs)
1: yeah and i mean that's the whole point of it um you you don't like at least when i was doing the quest you don't really feel the uh the presence of the other faction until you get over towards the graveyard area and the ruins Hmm. um but we did have a couple who try to run through where we do our normal daily starter quest area and they would run through and for some ungodly reason think we weren't gonna attack them um they died but uh once we got to the graveyard area it was swarming with al- uh, lions and horde um it was constant you it was and one of the daily quests requires you to go inside of a tomb and kill an npc and it's just a narrow stairway going down and the narrow hallway going to the npc and a, a small square room with the npc in it and it's it, a lot of skeletons. <laughs>
0: it reminds me of that quest line in um, what is it, Darkwood, for the Alliance side, where you have to basically go down into this hollow, uh, along by some roots of uh, mm-hmm. trees, and then you end up into this sort of uh catacomb, uh, down below where you've got to kill stuff, and there would tend to be uh horde guys down there who are trying to camp for the rare that's in there for the B O E blue that usually dropped out of the place. Um, or for the guys who are basically questing in there between like a level what was it twenty to thirty for the whole place? Can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. it kind of reminds me of that kind of feel of like these working in these tight spaces. Um, I, like I'm not sure what they're going to do to solve the density issue. I, I like it, it's a tough one. I mean, is it a case that as sort of player occupation on this particular uh? playing area sort of dials down as the people complete the content in terms of the reasons to be there to get rep grinded or to pick up whatever it is in terms of pets and the economy stabilizes and that side of things or goes away is cross realm going to sort of kick in at that point and again at what point is it uh does it become a dead zone i mean the isle of kildanus is pretty, like again Dead zone. I know we're talking about like it's content from quite some time back, but even if you think about going out into say somewhere like Twilight Highlands right now, even though there's stuff there for people to be able to do and pick up in terms of like uh, crafting materials to go pick up or quests to for those who are trying to get their achievement fix or whatever. Uh, like population zero is fairly apt, and by the, I've, I've noticed this by the number of times that I've flown into these areas, and I'm seeing my silver dragon add-on just go, bing, rare, bing, rare, and the only reason lots of rare start popping up is because there's no one there killing them, so they're getting to roam around quite freely in mass numbers, and I'm like just going from rare to rare to rare and picking those up.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, I think, uh, at least for a at least for this content patch. Um because they plan on five point three being off off the uh the island. So at least for this content patch, I think the rares are to be relatively farmed pretty often. But it will become like Isle cordanas. I mean only people going for the extreme achievements are going to go there and farm rep or farm the rares and try to get all the rare mobs and stuff like that. It, it will become a waste of space eventually. That unfortunately, like Isle of Quindan- it's often its own. So, even when leveling, you're not going to be seeing people there. Exactly. Which, which sucks.
0: And the only reason you go to the Isle of Kildanis now is number one, you're trying to farm up the White Hawk's Dragon at Marge- Magister's Terrace, or you're trying to pick up the Phoenix Hatchling because you don't feel like parting with 50 gold on the auction house. You're one of those kind of people. Or you want yeah. one of the orbs of the Sindori that you can sell on the auction house. Or you're grinding Shattered Sun rep to go and exalt that reputation uh, and also pick up the Of the Shattered Sun uh, title for a thousand gold and also pick up the Tabard as well because you like the Tabard and it reminds you of a Warhammer. Sort of thing. So that's why you're <laughs> yeah. looking for that. Or you're going to go to Sunwell now because you can now solo your way through Sunwell after them fixing Caligus. So uh, that's the only reasons you go there. And I like it. It's they keep saying that they don't like the fact that content becomes irrelevant, and they're trying to find ways to make content relevant again. I'm struggling to see how that place will be relevant for content. In the same way that Kildanis is. In fact, in fact, all I can see is that it is going to be as irrelevant as Kildanis is, because it won't be on a path, on a leveling path. It won't be on a yeah. to be able to progress through your character. You you have to be able to pass through these areas. This is going to be one of those, skip it. It's almost like uh, was it Halion, <laughs> the, yeah, boss exactly. that, the boss that no one saw, no one does, and no one frankly gives a shit about.
1: Yeah, you're uh, right uh, like I mentioned it's it's just going to be forgotten about eventually, which sucks.
0: Okay, so moving on, one of the things that you touched on there and uh, again, this comes into a bugbear for I think you, for you and it's definitely a bugbear for me is dailies, dailies, dailies. This is like, hey, go to this hub when you get off the boat and pick up some dailies. Oh, by the way, can you also hit this other hub over there cuz guess what? Dailies And if you go to this other one, hey, 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 hey. nope, it's not a Primal bone Raptor. It's more dailies.
1: Yeah, not a big fan of dailies. I hate them. I hate questing. But I do it, because I'm stupid. But that's what Blizzard hopes on. And apparently to Blizzard, the best content in the world, instead of adding a new five-man heroic raid, you know, let's have them do some dailies, because that is quality content right there. And it... It's frustrating because you kind of have to do it. You do have some alternatives for farming some some rep this time around, but it's still, it it feels like, I mean, they used the argument of like we took head enchants out because we didn't want you to feel that you had to do dailies to compete to be able to get in guilds. And it's like, well, since you have these awesome 522 items now here, I kind of have to.
0: Yeah, exactly. They were they, and but it again were, the theme of this like and we can still come back to this is Isle of Kaladannis, right? One of the things that they pointed out was, that why they eventually just opened up the vendors to everyone at some point because they realized so many realms didn't even have the epic gem vendors open, uh, was that, you know, when you actually force a major component of gameplay, that on uh, that a realm won't doesn't or is unable to unlock to allow progression to proceed in that realm and Ie be able to access things that are important to the continuity and the progress of gameplay i mean look no matter what way you want to cut this okay every time it comes down to is mmo games are about gearing up through successive levels attaining gear completing content with the gear and getting the the new shinies and then moving on to new content to get more new shinies. That's the fundamental of MMOs. But when you start putting in things like, hey, you can only start unlocking stuff by completing dailies, it reminds me again of the epic gem vendors on the Isle of Keldanus where I had to go to goddamn Hellfire Peninsula and to go up to where the flares were and then go farm some goddamn berry, farm some stuff there, bring it back to... Uh, the quest hub, mini quest hub there for the epic gem vendors and then go pick up the berries off the trees around the island and bring them back there too just so we could get access to epic gems. It's like, this is like we've come full circle, we're back here again.
1: Yeah, and I mean I guess it's the progression and flow that you're coming to expect now. Um, But it just it's just frustrating that it relies so heavily on it now. Uh, because, I mean, you had the benefit of loot, but I don't know. It, it just feels lackluster. Like, it's, it's a cheap way to get out of providing content.
0: Quests are not content. They well, are a means to an end and a means to <laughs> movie, moving you through a storyline. But there is no apparent storyline with these dailies.
1: Yeah, uh, that's what I was about to say, like a leveling quest, like story quest, relevant content, daily quest. No, I'm pretty sure it's not really content um, because it's it's the same thing every day. It's, it's it, feel, it makes it even feel more like a job.
0: Do you want to know what it is? It's, daily quests, to me, are nothing more than MMO bubblegum. You mean you can chew bubblegum for a bit, and you're like, hey, I kind of like the taste of this, but after a while, there is no taste. And you're like, Jesus, what the hell was I just eating? It, yeah. it, it literally is MMO bubblegum. Nothing more, nothing less.
1: Blizzard's idea is to make you chew on more bubblegum to get the flavor back. But it goes stale rather quickly.
0: Yeah, completely and utterly. And hey, now it's time for us to go and... And do something that I wanted to do for some while. Hey James, have you always been wondering like what am I gonna do or how am I gonna find more people to go and do an uh, a particular achievement or raid some old content with me?
1: Gosh, I wish I could find someone to help me do those old Dragon Soul achievements. I wonder how I ever could.
0: You know, the I'm forms working. are
1: so cluttered. <laughs>
0: You know, and there's just a solution for that. If you all already know, Open Raid is all about the strength of its community and provides cross-realm raiding support for World of Warcraft players. So if you're looking for a cross-realm organized raid for that hard-to-get achievement set or experience, check out openraid.us for North America or openraid.eu for Europe.
1: Open Raid. Achieve the impossible.
0: You know, I've, I've oh. done my community service now with that
1: one well done and speaking of open raid they have now are they're set up for 5.2 uh, you can now do your cross realm raiding with the newest content available and it's a great resource um, there's a lot of people that are out there that maybe not be in a raiding guild maybe they're playing with friends or they're just strong PVPers and don't want to commit to a raiding guild and this is a way they can at least feel the full content of, of normal modes without necessarily needing to go through the whole recruitment process which as soon as some people see an application they have to fill out they give up
0: yeah it, it, totally i mean that's the that is one of the biggest problems with with this but you know what open rate like in, in all seriousness open rate is something that like i am personally hugely supportive of i love what they're doing i completely and utterly agree or uh, what the guys are trying to achieve and what they're trying to put together and what they actually want to do with this. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, in one respect, it, it's been a long time coming. I mean, people tried to form uh, sort of groups to be able to complete raids and complete content in the old way, on the old uh, official forums, on the Realm forums. And you'd kind of get some responses and you kind of wouldn't. But now CrossRealm sort of provides this sort of bigger pool too. And if you haven't signed up to open Raid, you definitely should if even if it's you kind of are like well you know what cross realm content and cross realm pugs and whatever in groups not really entirely big into it but and i kind of don't trust it because there's this whole thing of the master looter and the ninja thing if you're organizing raids through open raid you have a reputation that's there you grow your reputation your reputation is linked to your character it's visible for all to see and you know what go use it go check it out we're going to be plugging the hell out of open rate going forward. And, you know, hopefully what I might try and do is, uh, after sort of having an initial reach out to the guys over at open rate is I think we might actually get them on the show one week, James, and, uh, let them talk and plug about how they put the service together and why people should use it more. Cause like, we're going to continue to plug the service on the shows going forward.
1: Yeah. It sounds like a, a stupendous idea. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I haven't personally used it. I've signed up. Um, It's something that I'm actually specifically looking to do now, specifically for the achievements. A lot of people set up raids, not necessarily just to see the content that they might not have been able to raid in, uh, but they do heroic difficulties. They do achievements. They even do the harder achievements. And it's a great way to fill out your older raids of like the champion of the Firelands Raider or something like that. Um, And, they're very specific on how loot rolls are going, it's like need before greed, or if they're doing some kind of uh, uh, cycle system, such as like uh, suicide kings for that raid night or raid week. Um, it's very, very customizable. Uh, the biggest thing about it is, it's it's completely you sign up, you meet a whole bunch of random people, and it's very possible that you become a regular. And like Ian mentioned, you you build a reputation of being reliable and at least not wasting everyone's time
0: yeah and the most important thing and something that i kind of put two and two together myself for after they've done the hot fix there uh in the last two weeks for the herald of the titans uh task you could actually now be using open raid very viably get yourself some 80s put them together uh, as a nice group of players which are 80s and your 90s and Start putting your teams together to be able to take where you take one half of the team in as 80s the other half of the team is 90s to gear up the 80s sufficiently and properly rather than having to do the whole thing of running through all knacks to pick up all the gear to get them ready but just to gear them out then the other te- the other side of the team switches it out uh, 90s and 80s and then you get them gear up and you get it to the point where you've got the best optimal gear completely as a whole and then you go in there and you can just do a couple of runs to get your Herald of the, titles, Herald of the Titans uh, title at 80 with all the gear level appropriate and bam you're done and uh yeah it's like it's something that i even now i'm starting to look out for that then i'm I'm totally going to be putting something like that together
1: uh and if you're not big on achievements or don't really care about the older raids i know something that everyone cares about and that's legendary items they do set up groups and regular groups for uh, loot lists such as they do a cycle and a lot of the people will agree to keep coming even though after they finish their item Um, I've had a friend that actually finished their Shadow Morn that way and uh, they stuck around for a couple months after to get an original group of people all the items needed all the other loot was just pretty much just free roll which, which would normally be if you set up a group on your own on your own server so
0: Yeah, again, do stuff in the community. The community extends now to more than your realm, and that's not a bad thing. In fact, when we see stuff like this, it's a good thing. So, moving on from our huge and totally shameless slug for open raid, which I am totally unashamed of. I want to talk about rep grinds now via the Dungeon Finder. You can now grind every day. Grind that rep. Apart from the work orders on the ranch for rep, you can now pick up additional rep for the 5.0 factions through the Dungeon Finder. James, how have you found this? It's meh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I mean,
1: that. I'm not too excited about the whole scenario things. I know I know you can get rep through scenarios now in the Dungeon Finder. They also have the solo rep, uh, solo scenario stories that you can do. Um i just uh i mean it's just another way it's better than doing dailies at least but some of the people you get in lfr well not lfr but raid finder or dungeon finder rather man you'd be surprised how it is possible to fail a scenario
0: oh completely i mean for i think when i'm doing a Dungeon Finder now I think it's a rarity that I'll actually jump into the general population pool for it because it's just mm. bewildering and it's it just saps the will to live from you and when you when you wanna go on a run for things. I'm lucky enough if I'm in a large enough guild with guys who on a daily basis are looking to hit a couple of dungeons and they're and I'll go along and I'll tank the dungeons or I'll go D P S in the dungeons. Uh, and I'll go along with them and for this now it's, it's good enough that I can do this in my guild and get this done again having mm. to dip into the general population and then just feel exasperated at the end of it.
1: But yeah as I was mentioning earlier I mean it is a breath of fresh air at least from doing dailies. It doesn't put as much stress on it because I'd rather be running around killing things and if you have a pre-made doing it you can burn through them rather quickly. Um, dungeons or scenario and it's it's not as bad when you're doing it with people from your guild or friends on the realm uh, or even cross realm
0: i gotta say i'm actually glad they didn't go down the route of like sticking a tabard on a grinding rep because i remember doing that in cataclysm where you literally stuck on a tabard and you ground out the same dungeons over and over and <laughs> yeah. over and over and over and over again to the point where you're just like if i ever have to fucking come in here again Sweet Jesus, I am going to fucking kill somebody.
1: Well, yeah, you can drop your Tablet on the ground, your Gale tabard, but you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I,
0: I hated that system because that system, like, as much as it's a case of, well, you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to, but you don't, there is an awful lot there that compels you to do it. And the, the, the difficulty there is trying to remove the, the compellingness uh, of the thing. And that's, uh, I think I'm glad that they stuck to their guns and didn't cave in and give the easy option. That makes me very happy. And just when I'm on the subject of tabards, there, I would uh, actually spotted, uh, I think it was either a tweet or it was a, a pickup from, uh, one of the recent dev interviews, uh, saying that they are not in 5.2 or in 5.3, but after that, they are looking at implementing, finally, some kind of a system for tabards to get them out of your banks and maybe into the same way that uh, like pets and mounts are.
1: Oh, thank goodness. I, I have, I literally, like, and I've only kept the tabards that I can't get again or I got through rep or an achievement not like the ones that you can purchase from a vendor and it still takes up over a bag um probably about two bags possibly
0: yeah it's about 30 slots of like of tabards just like by the time you get into like you know the achiever where you get the uh -hmm. the orange and black tabard and then the next level up from that from 25 to 30 i mean by the time you get to the end of the uh current cycle of uh, 5.2 and everything else. I mean, overall, you are looking. I mean, I'm excluding the trading card game tabards for obvious reason, and I'm excluding everyone getting their hands on the seasonal PvP tabards. But you're still talking about liberally like just under 40 tabards.
1: Yeah, and it's something that's been needed a long time. I remember they posted some things a long time ago, especially when they first came out with the pet and uh, mount system. Um, that. They said something that was like it was it was different, like it was different from storing a pet or mount, since it's not necessarily a spell but an item. So I- I'm glad that they were would at least try to figure something else out.
0: In one respect, I'm also I have another side to this as well, and I know there's people who are literally going to get pitchforks and burning torches for me when I say this, but I'm kind of over tabards. Like I don't even wear a tabard on my character anymore. I'm totally over that. It's, it's been done and dusted, and they, they've they served their purpose to me, and I just, like, I don't want to wear them. They don't fit with any of my gear <laughs> in general when I want to wear them. Usually I've got, like, for example, I'm on my Paladin, I've got my Purple Judgment set, and then I have to put on this horrible orange or this awful light blue tabard that doesn't work with it.
1: What? What are you talking about? I have an awesome tabard that you may not have. Uh I mean, the whole Lightbringer gear. I I really like the um the lightbringer tabard that will make me glow like a a street light at night.
0: I hate you. I don't have I hate you. I look at that and I'm like, uh if only I had a hundred and fifty thousand gold to purchase this. All donations nope. <laughs> gratefully received. Amon am Brotherhood EU. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to anyone listening out there.
1: <laughs> Here's a better idea for you, guy. How about you head over to Open Raid and sign up for an ICC raid? That way when the, you can get your own Shadow Morn and your own loot.
0: Oh, do you see, see what we did there? See what we did there? That's uh-huh. how good we are. We're totally on the ball.
1: <laughs> That's how we work. Shake and bake.
0: Harlem Shake and Bake. No. No, no, That's okay. Uh, So, James, with uh, 5.2 hitting everyone's Azeroths and getting in there, like, we're what? We're on Thursday, so... or no, we're on Friday today. We don't even know what day of the week it is. Friday. And uh, the US realms, of course, since Tuesday have come up uh, for the EU realms Wednesday. And as of right now, we just checked just before we went live, 23 guilds have actually managed to uh, put together a full 12 of 12 clear in the tier 15 raids. And even after that, you're still only talking about a another 33 going uh, 11 of 12, and then another 100 and odd going uh, 10 of 12, and then the next one like being substantial for 9 of 12. But you're still talking about... Less than the thousand guilds in the world even being three quarters of the way through on this. And what's even more interesting is out of the usual suspects we'd expect to see from like world first chases. I mean I know this is only normal mode and like for these guys like normal mode, fucking normal mode. Uh no method, no blood legion in even the uh the top fifty.
1: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised about that. I mean for for guilds that are aiming towards that world first progression and it's a pretty big deal to them they have sponsorships and things like that and they some of them have a gaming house, it, it's something that is, you know, you'd fi- figure that they would be able to push the content and they would strive for that I mean, it might still be a fact that they're just taking a look at things and possibly doing them in the heroic strategy even though the heroic mechanics aren't in that way they can push to progression a lot faster and harder in heroic mode. Um, that might be a possibility. I mean, we've done that before in, in my previous guild. So, it or it just might be a breather until heroic modes. I, I can imagine there might be some uh, guilds out there that may, not necessarily Paragon or any of those, but it, it might be a situation where that content it's pretty brutal from what i've heard um the first couple bosses are pretty uh kind and caring and cuddly and all of a sudden it just you start smashing your face against the wall trying to beat progression
0: yeah i mean what's really strange is if you want to talk about like sort of the next reset coming in for when they'll be able to start accessing the heroic content uh, after doing clears, I mean, for Blood Legion, for example, you, the guys who have totally, who've been sort of chasing Paragon and keeping Paragon honest, and the likes of the guys from Twisting Nether EU Method, keeping them honest, uh, the next reset they get to go and start is Tuesday, while the EU guys only get to jump in on the Wednesday, and you know what, there is no sign of uh, the Blood Legion dudes like a uh, uh, rigor mortis the rest of these dudes, I mean... It's, uh, have they given up, or are they, are like, in terms of, like, of, of chasing this, or is it a case of, like, look, we just no longer seem to care anymore? I mean, in terms of uh, where these dudes fit in, I mean, 251st, and they've 8 of 12 completed. Um, In terms of, like, US, they were the first to go and pick up G-Kun. Uh, as a kill two days ago but like they're 10th on Tortoise, Counts of Elvers 13th uh, in for US Harden 20th and Gin Rock the Breaker like 87th and even in the west like which is still talking about North America Europe we're still talking like 87 and like in the west now they're 251st that's I don't think I've seen this before
1: yeah it's I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's more, like I said, that's why I think it's it's possibly more of a uh, a tactical decision by them to practice the heroic, I mean, they probably had time on the PTR and everything like that. They definitely practiced before, but I think they want to stay in that routine of doing it, maybe the heroic strategy, mm. uh, even though the heroic mechanics aren't in there, such as like raid spacing and process of how to kill the boss, um, to make sure that they're ready for next week.
0: Yeah, and method five of 12, twelve, seven hundred and seventy fourth.
1: Yeah, no idea what the hell they're doing. That's that's uh, that's a little bit of different in the story.
0: Yeah, that's like, but Dream Paragon, fourteenth in the world overall, tenth on ten man, uh, twelve of twelve cleared.
1: Yeah, um, and and I think they're probably going to be the ones to. I'm optimistic, thinking that Dream Paragon will actually be the ones to get world first finishing the heroic i don't know if they'll be able to get Raiden in um first kill but i think they might hit 12 out of 12 heroic first
0: crazy scandinavian bastards
1: a bunch <laughs> of tryhards
0: <laughs> uh yeah but i think raiden is going to be the stop on that one is it like a uh, 20 or 30 attempts and uh Go take a shardle next week. No more like two, three hundred type pulls type deal. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on. The PvP gear, James. The malevolent gear went to honor with 5.2. The crafted, dreadful, glad gear has been hitting the auction houses in drips and drabs. Hasn't been as uh, frequent or as much as I thought there would have been initially. But one of the big surprises that I suppose came up with this was um, there was me. Uh, Ch- Tuesday evening, early Wednesday morning just before the servers went down for the patch and I'm thinking, hey, I'm all capped out I've got just approximately 4,000 Justice points I've earned about 39,000 or not Justice, uh, Honor points uh, and I've earned like about 39,000 Honor points for the season I am totally going to be able to go and pick up my weapons tomorrow because I have definitely earned more than 7,250 so I roll up onto the servers I'm looking, hey, all my conquest is converted to honor. My honor's there. I'm tapped up. I go to look to buy a two-handed PvP weapon. Computer says no. I have to earn 7,250 honor before I can go near them. And I'm thinking, hey, what the hell is going on here? I'm looking at the one-handed weapons, and I'm seeing the uh, the honor point pricing on those being off, which turns out to be a mistake lizard Blizzard hot fix it. But the 7,250 prerequisite for honor weapons that ain't a mistake according to the blues
1: how mad are you um
0: I'm, act- I'm actually so mad i can't actually express the full level of, of of my uh intolerance and inability to understand the lunacy of this i mean giving me yeah. all the gear is great okay I'm, I'm all good that i can go and tap up and pick up my malevolent gladiator gear but you know what when I'm still going to be going and playing against the dudes who are rocking Malevolent gladiator Eater gear from last season, they are still going to be taking me to pieces with their PvP weapons, which yeah, hit that... harder than my PvE ones, which is, for a lot of people, is Raid Finder weapons or 463 heroic weapons, blues.
1: Yeah, and, and I can definitely understand the frustration that I haven't been too large in the PvP scene because I... I'm not a big fan of the WoW PvP, but the whole thing of the requirement of earning all that honor before you can just get a competitive weapon for the new season is really frustrating. Because some people might not be super competitive in the arena, and they might just want to do rated Battlegrounds or just do Battlegrounds. And if they dare go to arena, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, because people are still going to hit way harder than they can possibly with their upgraded IDA, uh, their plus-8 item level epics from last season. And without being able to have that weapon right away, you're going to actually probably end up getting a new PvE weapon before your PvP one, maybe. I mean, it's a possibility. And that's not what PvPers want to do. I mean, it's the whole reason that they focused on individual pvp gear is to not force PvPers to pve
0: i mean look i totally get the point that they don't want to make weapons easily accessible to allow people to use them for pve but my counter argument is hey this is why you created pvp power and pvp resilience just remove the pve stats off the pvp weapons leave the pvp ones in there problem solved. People aren't going to use PvP weapons to go into PvE. I mean, this is simple.
1: I mean, that was the whole reason they put the PvE stats on the armor and everything, is because even though they had those people screaming, I don't want a PvE to get my PvP gear, they also had the ladder where people were saying, I want a primary PvP, but I want to be able to go in PvE and not get kicked from the raid. So... It's a very difficult balancing act. I can understand it's always the loudest person that yells and cries the more usually wins. But at the moment, this seems to be their their standpoint on it and how they don't try and balance it out.
0: I completely understand that, and I I totally get that. But when I see that the guys from Blizzard say, Hey, look, the, the idea of trying to balance the game between PvP and PvE is just not possible... You just can't like. Uh, what was it, Ghost Quarter said is that he hates classes, because in the game because it's impossible to balance them all, and as a result, people shouldn't expect them to be balanced. But if it, it, again the same thing holds true, if I have a uh, bad PVE gear, bad PVP gear, and I go in to do battlegrounds, I'm just getting uh, like my face torn off. By burst damage and inability it. Even though I know that they've re- they've changed the formula about how resilience is calculated at scale and how it scales, and I understand that and all the rest of it, but I don't see how I, they just can't decide. Okay, look, if you're going to PVP, you're going to do this, and you're going to if you turn okay, if you turn up to do PVE, you can join Raid Finder, okay, and you're in PVP gear. And your contribution sucks. You're getting kicked anyway. If you turn up, oh, yeah. in, if you turn up in good PVE gear, into Raid Finder, and your contribution sucks, you're getting kicked.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, their whole thing is like they want you to be at least be able to try and compete, and not be below on DPS than lower than a tank. Um, and with a lot of the PvP gear, it had those big DPS numbers on it, but it didn't. It didn't have the stats to balance it out. I mean, strength on a weapon for warrior is crucial. It, it adds a lot of DPS. So I mean, it's it's definitely that balance act. I don't know why Ghostcrawler would ever bitch about it because I mean, it's part of their job.
0: Oh, so. it wasn't. not <laughs> was necessarily bitching. I think it was Uh-oh. just like trying to,
1: trying to justify the point
0: of like, look. You keep saying there's no balance in the game. The simple fact of the matter is you need to understand we can't balance. In fact, the game being unbalanced is probably it puts it into a better state of play than anything else. And I mean, I think overall, when you look at the the totality of things so far, Mr. Pandaria, this is sort of the best of a bad situation that they've made regarding class balance. I mean, some people will say, oh, but the underrepresentation of class A, B, or C. It was like, fuck your underrepresentation of class. Okay, there's always going to be flavor of the month. You're never getting away from that because ultimately people are trying to get always the maximum advantage they can and they're trying to game their way to the best results possible to get the best rewards possible. Oh, yeah. So there's no way around that and the sooner the people sort of get with that program, understand that, recognize it and accept it, the, mo- the sooner we can start moving away from these childish, petulant conversations about, oh, but this class is underpowered because it's un- and it's, it's, it's proven by the fact that it's underrepresented at 3v3 or 5v5 and it's like, well, fuck your underrepresentation. How about you actually learn to deal with the real world with the fact is that, hey, life isn't fair. Okay, and when you're talking about trying to a game where the entire fundamental of it is about getting the best gear to be the best and sometimes gaming your way to that in legal ways and in the uh, and within the confines of the game that's in the spirit of the game, that just means that some people are taking a fucking bath on it. So grow the fuck up and deal with that situation.
1: Yeah, we're just lucky there isn't a legendary PvP item yet. So... <laughs>
0: James didn't mean it, anyone who's listening, and Blizzard developers James most definitely didn't mean it, and you should (laughs) never, ever implement that. Don't ever do it.
1: I would get it. (laughs) Uh, But
0: last but not least, we're talking, we're going to hit one of my favorite topics right now in-game. Battle pets. And dude, we have legendary battle pets out in the world to battle against.
1: I haven't came across one. I just recently started getting back to actually doing battle pet stuff because it's it's been more enjoyable than doing <laughs> I would log in to do dailies and then I would just end up either farming the green fire tomb, which so help me God will never drop, and doing battle pets out of frustration of not getting the tomb and not wanting to do dailies.
0: You know, what? Um, I'm sensing a little bit of frustration, hostility, you know, and, and I think in the spirit of fairness, in the spirit of the partnership that we have for such a long fucking time in doing podcast, James, before we even go near pet battles. And since I've managed to have my mini rant, I believe it is only fair. I allow you to get your mini rant and your explanation around the green fire tome and you let the let the the good listeners, the uh, the gankers and gankettes share and feel your pain. James, the floor is yours.
1: All right, so you you want to look cool, and you want to look different from a fire mage. Everyone does. So warlocks were meant to get this green fire that some way they would go through a quest line or get an item that would change it green rather than just like a normal fire like everyone else. So Blizzard's brilliant idea after delaying it for so long was we're going to make it a random drop Only with the PVP mobs for, you know, either Operation Shield Wall or the Defiance. Or not Defiance, (laughs) Dominance Offensive. Um, And you sit there and farm and you're thinking, it can't be that bad because it's only for Warlocks, right? It it should drop. And and if anything, maybe it should only drop for Warlocks, you know, similar to... How things work with enchanters and alchemists and and, uh, engineers where, you know, you get those patterns that only you can see and roll on because it makes sense. No, what they decided was we're going to make it a random drop only from those mobs with an extremely low drop chance, probably even lower than the blood soaked bandages. And everyone can find it if they want to, but no one's farming it anymore because you know why? we moved the focus of where you do dailies and do your daily grinding to this faraway land called Isle of Thunder. So no one's actively farming it. So you're not going to see them too often in an auction house. Now, I come with a dilemma. If I ever do get blessed to find one, should I sell it for thousands and thousands of gold? Or should I look badass for eternity? I'm thinking badass, but that gold is very tempting. And the whole fact that it is bind on use, not pickup, not equipped or not, well, not equipped rather, but bind on pickup more so, it's aggravating that you will see them on Auction House and they're going to be far out of the normal player's pay grade where it's going to be up there for so much and it will sell. I've I've put a little bit over seven hours of farming just those mobs. I'm a warlock. I'm multi dotting everything. Things die kind of quickly, but it's still dots, so they take a bit. And not only that, people see me killing all the mobs in the little base that are still doing those quests. Um, and it's a little aggravation when you have to stop your farming session to kill people because if you don't. They'll eventually come around and kill you or get people to come find you. It, it feels very frustrating that it's just this isolated location. I can get the Bloodstained bandages because that's a PvP concept for Brawler's Arena, the Brawler's Club. But the Fire Tome is, you know, it's meant to be cosmetic. It does have a kind of cool quest line, so I desperately want it. But I believe the drop rate for it was higher on the PTR. I know no one on my server that has got it yet.
0: So let me ask a controversial question, and I'm doing so in the full knowledge that there is a substantial amount of distance between us, which means you can't automatically pick something heavy or sharp up and beat me to death with it. What would happen if a couple of these tomes turned up on the black market auction house?
1: They would go for the max bid, and I would probably bid the max bid.
0: Would it piss you off?
1: Oh, no. No. I wouldn't have to grind it. I have the extra gold. I just gotta be... I gotta make sure I notice it and bid the most, the maximum, before anyone else.
0: You know, that kind of nearly almost begs the question of is it worth tweeting the Blizzard development team going, Hey! Green Fire Tomes and black Black Market Auction House? Question mark, question mark, question mark.
1: Yeah, that would be nice. Um, it would get money out of the economy for sure because every single warlock I know would at least attempt to see if they could buy it. The only problem with that is it would end up like the blood-soaked bandages where they're all on there for 1K gold now, whereas when you are originally trying to get one right when they came out, people were underneath the depression. They weren't going to be there every day. So they bid... All this gold to get a blood soaked bandage, and there was a new list of them the next day. So it does risk the involvement of that happening where it just adds frustration to the player base um, because you don't want to bid too much, but you don't want to get outbid because it might be there tomorrow. I think it's a good alternative, but I think they really want it to be that extreme of rare drop. I I really think that they don't. They gave the impression that it's something that every warlock will be able to go do, but every warlock will not go and farm it. So it gives that unique look, I guess.
0: Okay. Are oh, you feel better? You have your entity system there?
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter anyways because destruction sucks ass anyways. <laughs> There's okay, the
0: shit out of that. <laughs> to put us back on stream then. The new Isle of Thunder and the new battle pets that are there as well and the legendary pets. The legendary pets for those who aren't aware is if you're flying over certain areas of Pandaria, you've you're used to seeing if you've got your pet battles learned, you'll see the usual sort of green paws that appear on the little mini map as you're flying around. Which you will now start to see which indicates a legendary pet. You know, you can't capture the legendary pet, so let's preface that right away and we can park that to one side and move the hell on talking about this is you'll now see an orange paw instead now the your standard sort of level 25 pets can be anywhere between about 1200 in health maybe 1700 1800 in health these bad boys are 4000 in health and there is usually a single one of them and where you're usually doing your pet battles and they last anywhere between say two minutes and three minutes These can indeed be six-minute epics. And you may, in fact, go through two or three of your uh, pet battle or your battle pet trios just to defeat the pet. And at the end of it, there doesn't appear to be an achievement. There doesn't appear to be any kind of a significant reward. Or a you've managed to complete this step of this achievement. It is purely a can I beat it? Yes, I can.
1: I like the fact that they have legendaries, but if it's something that that's involving, I mean, I've played Pokemon battles that are about that long, (laughs) and at least that has some sort of progression in it that you got past that trainer or gym boss or something like that, um, that were that involved of you had to switch all your pets just to beat this one pet. And I like the concept But I'm hoping they put some kind of, at least, achievement in it. Maybe even if it took you to defeat them all or something like that. Yeah, Um, yeah,
0: I think it would be actually kind of nice, too. I mean, the one thing with this is, and I suppose you said this as well, is this isn't a a legendary pet. It has 4,000, you rock up, and your pets between them have approximately around... (sighs) Let's see about 200 health between them, so they should be able to go through it. It is hard. I mean, these things, they hit incredibly hard, and like, uh, my pet battle trio is uh, pretty much like an infinity well playing a clockwork gnome and an ash spiderling, at twenty five all rares, and there is an awful lot of sort of self healing that I have, which is also an awful lot of like a uh, high impact single shot. Uh, or, uh pet battle abilities that they have and some of these were a struggle and sometimes it took sort of the changing combinations and moving things around at certain times but also the rng of the uh, of what the legendary pets were doing was actually quite overwhelming in some cases
1: yeah i haven't got to because my my pets actually aren't level 25 yet but it is something that I'm looking forward to to try and find good combinations because I enjoy the challenge. And even though that the pet battles are carefree and meant to be fun, um, I'm sorry, I like Pokemon, <laughs> so I, I don't mind it. it. It's actually a funner aspect of the game um, than some other things that are in the game to do. Uh, so at least giving you that sense of pushing it towards more like a Pokemon type of game. I I really wish that they just gave some like acknowledgement of doing it, at least. Uh, Similar to dare I say it, a gem badge but you won't get a gem badge, of course. Um, But just some sort to recognize that you've done it. Or even just simply be able to track which ones you already defeated. Other than remembering it on your own and writing it down.
0: Achievements.
1: Love them. I love them so much. It's <laughs> Sickening.
0: But the one thing is, like moving on from sort of the legendary side of things. Uh, and by the way, there's a great pet out just at the uh, the Great Wall of Pandaria, as I like to call it. And it's literally on the side that's in the um, the Veil of the Eternal Blossoms. It's actually near the the landing point that's literally north of the lines. Reduced the Alliance uh, PVP Bastion. Just north of that where the, 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 the wall for the keep actually of that just takes a sort of a right angle turn. The other side of it, there's a uh, a critter legendary pet called Nono. Definitely worth a check out and it's a good laugh for a fight if anyone wants to do it. But on the new island, the Thunderwild, there's a couple of new pets that have turned up there that i have spotted away. We've got a couple of really funky looking otters that have like uh, sort of neon blue, shiny blue spikes or sort of fins on their backs and some new snakes and a couple other uh neat pets as well not to mention sort of the four or five new uh raptor hatchlings as well mm. uh some of the pets that are actually on this especially like uh uh like some of the otterlings or or, or whatnot so i guess I like let me just get the exact name of these because i like i've been actually gone on i was the first thing i did when i got onto the aisle actually wasn't uh, diving straight into doing my pets themselves or doing the, the qu- daily quests themselves or completing the normal quests uh that they literally hand over. The first thing that I'd actually done in, in in those respects was I'd literally dived right in and I'd gone to pick up some of the new pets. Like some of the new one of the new pets I picked up was a thing called an electrified razor tooth. Uh, which is like um uh crocodile. you know the, Yeah, it's like a crocodile, but it's almost it's almost like um you know the pets that you pick up from uh, the Fishing Daily, the Fishing Daily at, at TBC and it has the spine on the back uh, I was quite happy to pick that up and uh, then there was I also managed to pick up like a, some frogs the terrapins
1: baby pandas look like foxes
0: you, no I actually haven't gotten to that stage yet with oh, the, yeah. which is I uh, think and the Thundertail Flapper actually which is like a beaver that has like death knight eyes and like dark and sort of those same color blue in the ears and on the spine and then there's the swamp croaker frog which is the new model of toad that we had talked about previously on the show which is such a dramatic improvement from things like say the yellow bellied bullfrog or the Mm. other traditional frogs you see in game just the textures the shapes like the yellow bellied bullfrogs are very very square and blocky type characters the swamp croakers is beautiful well detailed frog it looks like a frog it looks awesome yeah
1: it looks very much like a real frog as opposed to what you're normally used to like with mojo or something like that it actually has detailed where you can see things that kind of resemble warts and it has the correct mouth posture as well of how you would look at a a toad or a frog uh when they would croak
0: completely and i mean the i think the the one thing that's definitely apparent here is that the we keep saying this, like the gra- like all the people say, oh, well, why was it a very daily graphics engine? No, it's not. They are. You can definitely see where things are definitely improving. New texture coming to play. Even something as simple as a battle pet. And you're looking at the quality of the graphics on this compared to some of the earlier pets in the game. And you stick them next to each other and you're like, how are these even from the same game?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's the only thing is that they come into, I mean, the graphics engine is very capable of going beyond and with deeper texture mapping. Mm. Um, It's just depending on how far they really want to push it because each time they push the texture maps to have more detail, they have to also create different versions of it for lower quality settings. And they don't want things to turn out looking like crap or not complete on the lower quality, video quality settings.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know what, the, this expansion has definitely been a great example of Blizzard, like their art department and the dudes who are taking care of the graphics of things totally, uh, you know, not just de- meeting expectations, but, you know, just exceeding them like in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And you know what, I think James that'll uh, uh, will do us for this week and for this edition of the show. And you know, with our time here at the Gallows End Inn, complete for yet another week, it's time for us all to shadow step back out into the world to wreak more havoc, sap, stunlock, and smoke bomb. And you know, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can hit us up at Level90Rogue. 90 is the number 90. Or if you want to check out our Tumblr and our blog, you can hit us up at L90URP.tumblr.com. And if you're checking this out on iTunes, don't forget to hit us with a star rating and review. Because we appreciate those. I've been Ian.
1: And I've been James.
0: And this has been L90URP. Until next time,
1: obey the shadow. Tune in next time, fleshy same gang time, same gang channel. L90URP out.